2. Marcus Optimus stood in the driving position of the cart with his back straight and a smile on his face. They slowly rolled toward the Emperor's Forum, he parried with ease his balance when the cart lurched and shook. He did not hurry, the pigeons would not be released until he arrived and the ceremony with sacrifice dedicated to the victims would wait. It was forbidden to drive with the cart inside the city walls unless you transported goods, but he knew that no one would say anything on a day like this. Movie Deflectedis echoed between the walls of the houses when the driver yelled at people on the street to move. The voice was strong and broke through the cacophony of noise that rose when salesmen tried to take advantage of the crowd the festival attracted. The streets, rooftops, stairs to the public buildings, grass hills and the windows of the houses were full of citizens who all waited for the pigeons. Movia. Movia. Ramos, there is no rush. Take it easy. The square was crowded and people stood packed, several spectators had even climbed up the statues and temple walls. Most of them were Romans, but many other nations were scattered like small banks in a sea of bodies. Teutons, rough and large with bushy beards, hispingers, short, heavy with dark eyes, Egyptians, small and thin with golden brown skin and exotic, long dress-like costumes, they all contributed to the floating spots of colors that met him. Marcus had heard that there were empires far beyond Parthia to the east with gigantic cities made entirely of wood, indescribable wealth and people with mysterious customs. The Senate had for many years talked about sending a Roman delegation. No one had yet gone to this people and returned. Three years earlier, the Parthians had prevented a group of traders from Rome to pass, which was one of several of reasons for the emperor's conflict with Osros I, but the main reason for the war was the Parthians' involvement in Armenia, in which Rome had strong interests, especially in the city Chirax. The only way east. Optimus looked at the east as an opportunity to increase trade but the emperor wanted to conquer new land, giving himself and Rome even more wealth and power. As the car trolled past a shopkeeper and his family, the children waved to him and Optimus waved back. Anticipation clearly visible in their faces, but he also saw weariness in them. At the time the Senate introduced the new rules merchants and shop owners suffered greatly. They lost their contacts and many had lost their ability to earn a living. It had been a difficult time and several had visited him for help. Marcus had seen their suffering. When the war against Parthia began he found an opening that he exploited. Decretum gave them back the possibility to sell their goods, without the extra fees to the Senate. He remembered the emperor's exodus out of Rome with the largest and strongest army that had marched against an enemy. Had it really been four years? He thought. Optimus felt a burning elation when his gaze swept across the open space, the empire in the center of the world. Around him, up the hills, magnificent buildings stood in all directions. All symbols of power. He and his brother Gaius had grown up on the streets of Rome, on the Quirinal Hill, 
in the dirt and surrounded by violence. There was not an alley nor a street they did not know, not a trader, money lender, jeweler or gang leader who had not crossed their way up from the gutter. Many of the barbarians had nowadays one or more business dealings with Optimus Quirinus. But success was extremely difficult. It required not only cunning, strength and audacity, many barbarians were superstitious, there were even those who were convinced that the dead were resurrected in the Cloaca Maxima, so your knowledge of barbarian customs and beliefs could be crucial. Many Romans were convinced that their gods ruled their lives and the people were just pawns in their game. Marcus was not one of them. As the car trolled into the square, he felt proud of what they accomplished. Rumors said that the emperor would soon be back and he knew that they needed to prepare for the changes that inevitably were coming. He was going to use all the contacts they had in Rome to strengthen his trading house position. He turned and looked back at the Quirinal Hill, glimpsed the flag with the lying sword entwined in a rose twig, at the top of one of the largest houses. For most people the symbol of Optimus Quirinalis, but for him it was his symbol of pride. He did see several of his men standing on the rooftop, appearing only as silhouettes in the setting sun. When his father died, he was only 14 years old and had to shoulder the responsibility for the family and the business. Marcus had never given up the struggle to succeed in becoming the leading trading house in Rome. It had been his father's wish when he had been a child. The trading house Optimus Quirinless flag was now hoisted on several houses in Rome, twelve ships and hundreds of wagons. Several hundred men are dependent on the success of the house and it is only I who can do it and I have fought hard, he thought proudly. Optimus! shouted some of the merchants who stood in a group at the stairs to the temple in the northern part of the square. He greeted them with a nod. Only a year after their father left them, several gang wars started in Rome. Hard fighting broke out in the Sabura and on the Quirinal Hill. Several of the men were hired barbarians. It had been a difficult time. To survive, they were forced to sell slaves and weapons to the gangs. Gaius and I were so young, but we made it. Something I hope I never have to do again he thought. Now when most gangs are crushed, we will never help them get back their power. They must be crushed as lice, they should be exterminated. The fighting he and his brother had experienced had not been the worst the city had seen. When Marcus was just a kid he had been told that nearly two hundred years earlier, Titus Milo's and Clodius Pulcher's gangs fought on the streets of Rome and the Senate had been powerless to stop them. Some claimed that it had even been members of the Senate who had used thugs to intimidate their political opponents, both Caesar and Pompey had accused each other of being behind the chaos that prevailed. During the fighting even several senators lost their lives. Emperor Augustus had, when fighting started all over again, put a stop to the unrest. He introduced a cohort of the Praetorian Guards in the city. This was the start of the emperor's private guard. Despite this the common people were often controlled and threatened by various groups of hooligans. 
In some areas, gangs had full control of all forms of business. For instance, to protect you from unfortunate happenings, they took a share of everything you sold. Optimus knew, without the profits from the trade during that time, the house of Optimus Quirinless would not have existed, never reached the status they had today. The link between him and the gangs in Rome disturbed him, but there was nothing he could do. He knew that they never could be eradicated, only disappear below the surface for a while and then reappear in new or old shape. Criminal gangs that harassed the citizens were more or less a part of life in Rome. Optimus remembered clearly the years after his father died. He had been forced to grow up quickly, to become a man. His eyes had been opened to the evil. At the same time Titus Malaxius had entered into his life, a few years older, a few centimeters taller, stronger and more mature. For a long time he was the personification of evil. Many times Malasius and his friends had pushed him into an alley to bully him and they had not stopped beating and kicking him until he became unconscious. When he had been lying there in the dirt, panting, bloody, with vomit all over his tunic, he had promised himself to crush Malasius. The harassment had been going on for two years. Then suddenly his tormentor one day just disappeared. Not until several years later he returned. Marcus learned that Malasius' father had traveled around the empire and introduced his son to trade contacts they had. He remembered how happy he had been, but at the same time he had been worried that Malasius was gone forever. Worried that he would not get his revenge. Now, I will get my revenge in my own way when it suits me. But, the right day and opportunity has yet to come, he thought. Optimus' business had begun to gain momentum after Malasius' return. Most of the profits, from the time they had done business with the gangs, he used to hire men, carts and ships. They slowly built better and better contacts in the provinces. Sales of arms to the legions proved to be extremely lucrative but very dangerous. The profits were often huge if you were willing to risk your life. Many times death had been close, but the gods had been on his side. The senate tried repeatedly to control the trade in arms. They wanted to monopolize and they had succeeded for a time. When he became twenty-five, he had built the foundation of what he had today. Malaxius was already then his biggest rival, but there were many others, and the worst were the traders from the Aventin Hill. All competed for profits at the camps of the legions, even in places so far away where no Roman trader had been. There were looters and hired robbers lurking everywhere. Trade houses did everything in their power to be first to gain the biggest profits and to be the most successful. Several disappeared and no one heard from them again, quickly forgotten. Optimus and Malasius' ruthless competition outmaneuvered many of the other traders and it only took seven years, then the two rivals dominated the trade with the legions. Many trading houses realized after a while that several of the Senate members lined their own pockets, exploiting the rules they themselves had decided. 
merchants wanted to sell and purchase without any extra charges and Optimus persuaded many of them that together they could get the Senate to change. A group was formed and a persuasion campaign began. They did everything to succeed, paid junior senatorial members that could speak for them in the curious anatus, persuaded the emperor's advisors and bribed key officials. Large sums were spent on senators and senior administrators. Optimus learned later that Preta Urbanis, Rome's city administrator, earned a million sesterces on bribes. It had been high stakes and great efforts, because they understood that if the traders themselves controlled sales to all legions all over the empire, huge profits would be made for those who dared. Conservative senators did everything to stop their attempts. Violence broke out almost weekly, but the determined group of traders did not give up, they were not intimidated. Violence had been a natural part of their lives. Finally the situation began to affect transports to the legions throughout the provinces and this could threaten the entire empire. In the end the senate realized that they had to accommodate the traders. An agreement was made to appoint Publius Longvinius as census magistratum commercia. The fighting had cost many traders their savings and sometimes much more because Optimus and Malasius were among the largest and most powerful the Senate had been particularly ruthless against them, they had almost lost everything. Malasius had managed slightly better but Optimus was back where he started. In addition to the problems in Rome, he had gotten information that one of their shipments on the way home from Aquitania in southern Gaul, had been attacked by robbers unusually well equipped with weapons. Optimus had been convinced that they must have had information about their traveling route in advance. It was too incredible to be a coincidence. I'm confident that the Senate had at least one finger in the pie. We lost almost our cargo, all the wagons and most horses and oxen. At that time I thought that we never would rise up again. But I, we, did it. We put everything on the line during a few shipments and our wealth and power started to groan again. So, a few years earlier the Senate's members had given up the fight and Longvinius had taken over the administration, followed by the approval of commercial ex-militaries, the law that regulated trade. From that day the trading houses only paid a small annual fee to the imperial treasury. The order was restored. With the freedom of trade, Optimus and Malasius once again began their intense power struggle and became ducks on their childhood hills, Quirinal and Viminal. At the same time their enmity grew even further. Census Magistratum Commercia, Publius Longvinius, with his long patrician nose and nasal voice, would enforce the law, to make sure everything was in order and to collect the charges but his mandate was weak and he had no real power, no legionnaires that could strengthen his position. The army did not take him seriously, they sneered at him. If you never had been a soldier, you got no respect from anyone with a gladius in his hand. Pauper infirma, poor little Publius, Optimus thought without malice. During all the years I have guided him, he has not learned much. 
our esteemed census Longvinius is as naked as the day he was born. Optimus eyes wandered over the Emperor's forum, the sun was just above Saturn's temple and the shadows crept farther and farther. He saw the group of priests who stood between Janus Quirinus and Felicitas Temple, with hundreds of cages around their feet. He turned to Gaius. This is what I call the welcome committee, he said, with his dark voice. All are gathered, senators, the emperor's administrators, officers of Praetorian Guard and priests. Gaius chuckled. Ha ha! The priests would prefer that you fell down from the cart and broke your neck, Marcus. If they had their way, everything would be controlled from the temples, and nothing would have any importance except the signs from the gods. Gaius was a few years younger, dark short hair, a well-groomed short beard, brown eyes and a crooked, flattened nose, slightly shorter than his brother but equally well built. He straightened his gold-embroidered belt that held the tunic. It was a simple white tunic, reaching to his knees. A dark green jacket was placed around his shoulders as a protection against the wind. A small brooch, a gladius, entwined by a rose sprig with red roses of rubies held the jacket in place. Jupiter's blood, it is not prefect gladius? He asked peering over Marcus' shoulder. Rectiusume, correctly, Marcus said with a smile. I thought it was good for him that he should have the honor of opening the festival. Did not Longvinius have any objections? What did he say? He must have been hysterical. The atmosphere between Longvinius and Gladilius had been strained for a long time. No one knew why. Not a sound. You know best, Marcus, if you think it's good, it's so. Marcus Optimus smiled. Yes, we are here, here in Rome and we have succeeded. It is you who have succeeded, I just helped, it's your glory. We are both Optimus, you and I, that's why we have succeeded. Both wisdom and strength, your intelligentsia and Ivertus. Do not forget it. Sure, Marcus, your Virtus. Gaius knew, like everyone else, that Marcus Optimus was Dux, supreme leader of the Optimus Quirinus. Even in many provinces, when they spoke about him, they called him Dux. It will be a perfect ending to a good day, right? Gaius nodded. He saw his brother standing in the bow of the cart. Marcus looks so strong, confident, without any doubt, untouched by everything around. If only I were more like him, Gaius thought. Gaius had only followed his brother a couple of times on all the trips Marcus had made. At one occasion they had been attacked and he had been terrified. Afterwards he was ashamed of his behavior because he tried to hide. Marcus had said that even the most experienced men, with many years on the road, felt the same and that he should not look down on himself. But Gaius had not noticed any fear in his brother, he had killed more men than anybody else. He had used the sword and axe as if they were an extension of his arm. 
Gaius knew from that day that his place would always be in Rome. Among scrolls, describing and cataloging the goods or projected revenues and expenditures, to plan transportation or negotiate with retailers on pricing and insurance. All important tasks, but Gaius knew he would be lost without Marcus. Without his brother the shipments would never be as successful. Optimus looked around the forum, it was packed with people. Many powerful men turned toward them as they approached. Even from a distance, he saw admiration but also envy, reflected in their faces. Oh yes, this is an important day not only for us, he thought. 